0: Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to give you the good, bad, and ugly of child therapists that specialize in anxiety and OCD. I want you to know what are the good signs, what are the bad signs, how to tell a good therapist from a bad therapist, and what are some indicators that your child is gonna be doing well in therapy, is doing well in therapy, or that you have a good therapist in general. I'll give you the skinny on it. As a therapist myself, and even as a parent who has had to send my child to therapy, I'll tell you what I look for and what I want parents to look for, even in my own practice. This comes up a lot in my private Facebook group, Um, There are tons of threads and questions about therapy, how to find a therapist. Um, This is how therapy is going. Is this a good sign or a bad sign? Should I stop therapy? Should I find a new therapist? Those are a lot of questions I see. If you're not in that group, you should be because it's a fantastic group of amazing people. And in fact, I did recently ask for um, some ideas and suggestions on future podcast episodes. And I have a huge list now. So if you are in that group and you suggested something, please know that I wrote all of them down and it's going to take me quite some time to get through all of those different topics, but I am going to work my way through them. If you're not in the group, you can join by going to facebook.com backslash groups, backslash AT parenting, anxious kids. It's for kids with anxiety and OCD. Well, it's for parents of kids with anxiety and OCD. So you can check that out. But I want to get right into today's topic because I have a lot of things I want to cover. So for starters, let me just preface everything I'm going to say with this is just completely my opinion. (laughs) It's not like this is research based. This is my opinion as a therapist who's been an anxiety and OCD specialist for 12, 13 years almost now. This is just my opinion. And I have three kids with anxiety and one with OCD. So it's my parental opinion as well. So let's start with the things to look for that aren't that great. Some signs that maybe this is a bad fit for your child. Now to preface this, I do feel like it's important to realize that, you know, there's lots of different therapy techniques out there. And my personal opinion is if it's working for you and it's working for your child, then that's awesome. And really, even with what I'm about to talk about, Hey, if you're doing something different and you know, your therapist is hitting some of the, my bad (laughs) category, but you like your therapist and your child likes the therapist, then take everything I say with a grain of salt, or in fact, just chuck it in the trash because I'm a big proponent of, Hey, if that parenting style is working for you, if that therapist is working for you, if that approach is working for you, then stick with it. As long as it's working for you and your child, that's awesome. But if you have questions or you haven't found that right fit, or you're not really feeling it with your current therapist, then, then you want to listen to what I'm saying. So I'm saying that because I'm going to talk about a a particular therapy approach that I feel is good. And there are other approaches that I don't practice and I don't know much about. I don't know much about neurofeedback, so I'm not going to talk about neurofeedback and I don't understand the ins and outs of neurofeedback on a very in-depth level and So I'm not going to be discussing that EMDR is really good for trauma, but I'm not going to be talking about that for anxiety and OCD, and I'm not an EMDR specialist, so I'm not going to speak to that. So I just want to say that before I begin, because there may be some of you who are in different types of therapy and you like it and it's working and you're just listening to this because you're just like, Hey, it's about anxiety. I'll listen to it. And maybe some of you are therapists and you practice other modalities other than what I'm going to be talking about. And you're going to be like, hey, you might get a little butt hurt." You might be like, she's not talking about my modality or the way that I practice, but I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about things in general. So the first indicator that it might not be a good fit, if you have a child who has anxiety and they the therapist does not treat OCD, you might want to try to find a therapist who speaks both languages. And I say it like that because OCD treatment is a different language. It is a completely different therapeutic approach. You really have to understand OCD and it's not something that you can dabble in. For example, as a therapist, I could understand how to handle an angry child. And then, Oh, you guys are having sibling rivalry issues. I can help you with that too. Oh, and your child has some mild fears. I can help with that too. And so In general, therapists are just very helpful people. They know how to problem solve. They know how to get you to problem solve. We have like all these like staple skills that make us very effective regardless of many, many issues that you're gonna bring. And so we can wear many hats. We don't have to be an expert in um, talking back. And now I'm an expert in kids who don't listen. And now I'm an expert in kids who don't do chores. And now I'm an expert in kids who are afraid of bees. No you kind of like, you know how to problem solve, you know how to walk kids and families through their issues. And so overall, you can handle most things. There are certain topics that I think need more of a specialty. So, you know, children who or teens who are abusing drugs, eating disorders, and OCD are three topics, in my opinion, you have to have some expertise on. So Even if you're a general therapist, if you haven't had some OCD training or just have taken it upon yourself to really read and research OCD and treatment options for OCD, then you're not going to be really a good fit for a kid that is suffering from OCD. Now, if you're like, hey, Natasha, it doesn't matter because my kid has anxiety. They don't have OCD. So I am taking them to a therapist that says they're comfortable working with anxiety, but they don't treat OCD. I do feel like that may not be your first pick because unfortunately, if your child has anxiety, they have a higher predisposition to possibly get OCD. And so wouldn't it be great if you already had a therapist who one understood how to treat it. So you didn't have to change therapists two, knew what to look for because that's a really big one. And that way, if it does start to pop up, you have a professional who understands what to look for and can let you know if they're seeing those early signs. So, if your child therapist does not treat OCD, I put that in the bad category because if you're going to them for anxiety, you're going to want someone who's an anxiety and OCD specialist. That may not be possible because it's very hard to find someone who specializes in OCD, but I am putting that in the eh, eh, eh category. All right, moving on. The next one I would look at is if the therapist does not involve you at all, that is not a good sign because as a child therapist, you want a therapist who recognizes that it's not about them developing some sort of confidant relationship with your child, but it's about skill building. Now I say this only for anxiety and OCD because there are plenty other topics and other issues where it's nice to have a child develop that bond, where they can vent and process things without their parents being involved or knowing, so they have that security and confidentiality to talk about whatever. I am strictly talking about kids who are going to a therapist for anxiety and OCD. So when I used to work with all topics, you know, like if a child was going through, um, their family is going through divorce or there was a death in the family, they may not want to involve their parents. They might want to just vent and process their feelings. But when we're talking about skill building, which your therapist should be talking about skill building with anxiety and OCD, you wanna be involved. So what does that look like? Well, at the very least, maybe they're pulling you at the very end and talking to you for 10 minutes and giving you some skills or summarizing what is happening. I tend to like not combining sessions. So, I either have ideally, I'm not always, I'm flexible. So, I might have a family where this doesn't work for them. But ideally, I either have the parent in the session with me, as long as the parent won't shut down the child and the child feels more comfortable with the parent, not less comfortable with the parent in the session. Or, I meet with the child for three sessions. And then every third session, I meet back with the parents alone without the child there at all. So I can have a full hour of talking to the parent about all the skills that they should be using, all the words they should be using. And the way that I talk to parents is we're a team. So we're going to be a team and we all have our roles in what we're going to be doing to help our children beat their anxiety or OCD. You want a therapist who recognizes that you play a pivotal role in helping your child's anxiety and OCD. And I'm saying anxiety and OCD, but I mean anxiety or OCD or anxiety and OCD or just OCD, whatever. But parents are there 24 hours a day. You're there when your child's having a panic attack. You're there when your child has to do a compulsion over and over and you don't know what to do. So this is your deal 10 times more than it is the therapist's deal. And if you don't know how to coach your child through that, that's going to be a problem. And so you want a therapist who recognizes that and sees you as a huge commodity in the treatment of your child, because they're not teaching anything that is rocket science that you can't be doing at home. And that's why I made a whole online class to teach parents directly how to do this stuff, because I feel like it's very doable if you have a parent who one is willing and two, who can get the concepts, which honestly, they are so simple. And three is okay. Wearing a couple of different hats. Sometimes that doesn't work because either you don't have the time or you, maybe you don't understand it, or the relationship is it has its own issues. And so you wearing multiple hats, you know, being a coach for your child and being mom or dad is too muddy and it's not going to work, or you just want the extra support, but if you're going to a professional, they should still see you as a team member. So, okay. I think I belabored that point, but I think it's like such an important one that I really want you to get that. The third thing that I do hear sometimes in my private Facebook group, and actually I think even parents sometimes confuse the work that I do. Parents will say, I don't want them playing the whole time. So I don't want to bring them to therapy to play. So when you walk into my office, it looks like a playroom. It's filled with fidget toys and puppets and sand and uh, fidget spinners and magnet cubes and a bunch of crazy big, big box of Legos. And I've got beads where kids can make necklaces. There's lots of art supplies. And most parents walk in there and they're like, thank goodness. You know, you're our fourth therapist and this room looks finally kid-friendly because a lot of people bring their kids to therapists who work with all ages. So they work with 70-year-olds and they work with three-year-olds. I personally don't know how you can work with that many different populations, but people do. And it's hard to find someone who specializes in anxiety or OCD and only works with kids. If I had my brothers, I would say, find somebody who does both of those, who specializes in kids and then works with OCD, but good luck because looking for my own child, that was almost... Well, that was actually impossible. So I found somebody who specialized in anxiety and OCD, but, you know, she saw all ages and didn't seem like she really uh, focused at, at all on kids. And I thought some of her methodology wasn't really working for kids. And then I have an appointment coming up for a therapist who works with kids, but from just her website, I can tell that she probably doesn't work with OCD. So it's like, how do you do that? Like, you know, it's like you find one thing and it's perfect for one area, but not the other. So anyway, that was a little bit of a tangent, (laughs) but if you come into my office, it's going to look very kid friendly. And so the kids are going to play and I get more out of kids when they play, but I'm teaching them and I really see my therapy more as a class than I see it as therapy because they're not going to sit there and just randomly just talk about whatever. You know, today I had lunch and Sarah was nice to me and then she wasn't nice to me. And then we watched this movie, the movie was good. We're not gonna have a casual conversation. I did in the past when I worked on other topics and I do maybe my first session just to gain rapport. But when I'm going to teach someone about anxiety or OCD, I'm teaching them skills. And so I'm gonna be playing detective and finding out what's going on like what's driving their anxiety. So that may look like a casual conversation to a parent who's not maybe clued into how a therapist would work. But then shortly after that, by the second, third session, I'm drawing on my whiteboard and I'm giving them skills, very concrete skills. And I'll tell parents for anxiety and OCD, my therapy is, is more like a class. They're gonna come in, I'm gonna teach them, they're gonna participate and that's what it's gonna look like. But the kids do play. So they'll play with the toys around them. I normally try to have them sit on the couch, but the little ones, they roam around. And sometimes parents will be like, why are you letting her play? And I'm letting her play because she's gonna be having to talk about some really uncomfortable things. And kids do better when they're relaxed and they're playing. Now, having said that, there's lots of therapists who let the kids play when they come in and they don't really do anything structured. And so- It's more of this relaxed place of just come in and play in your play. If you bring up some anxiety, we'll conquer that. And that does have its place. If you want your child to just have a place to process their emotions. And so you're really not looking for skill building, then play therapy would be appropriate. But if you're looking for your child to learn how to conquer their anxiety then play therapy would not be appropriate. The only time I would say that it would be appropriate is if it's related to trauma. So when I've worked with kids with trauma, trauma trauma-based anxiety, play therapy has been very effective because sometimes it's too hard for them to talk about. And so they can act it out in their play. But separate from that, let's say they just genetically have anxiety in their family and you're bringing your child to me because you want me to skill build, them playing the whole time would not be effective at all. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that. And so I would be very careful if you are seeing your therapist just do sand tray work with your child who has like general anxiety disorder or separation anxiety disorder, not trauma-based. That's not gonna be a very effective therapy. Now, if it's working for you, like I said earlier, that's great. And I'm not, I'm not knocking it. But overall, research has shown that cognitive behavioral therapy is evidence-based treatment that works. There's research that backs up the data that says CBT is the most effective approach for anxiety and OCD. Now for OCD, I'm even more of a dictator about this. For OCD, play therapy absolutely will not work. No other therapy is really going to work on OCD as effectively as CBT. You want ERP. So I'm doing a lot of abbreviations. Cognitive behavioral therapy and exposure response prevention. Those are the two gold standard approaches for OCD. And so if you're not hearing CBT and ERP come out of your therapist's mouth when you're bringing them for OCD, then that is a bad fit. I'm much more rigid about that for OCD because anxiety is a little bit easier. First of all, you're not gonna find a therapist who's gonna say, I'm not comfortable treating anxiety. I would be surprised if you found a therapist that sees kids and says, I treat all kids for most issues, but not anxiety. Most therapists aren't gonna say that. So you're not gonna find a therapist who's not gonna be comfortable treating your child for anxiety, but their methodology may not be evidence-based. And so even for anxiety, cognitive behavioral therapy is really the most effective and powerful type of therapy for anxiety. Now for OCD, You got to run in the other direction if they're going to do anything other than CBT or ERP. For anxiety, I feel like kids could get better with other different types of modalities. It's just not going to be as quick and maybe not be as effective. That's just my opinion. You can disagree. (laughs) That's okay. There are good things that supplement CBT. I think mindfulness is a good supplement, but unfortunately, I think there are some therapists that are you know, very gung ho about mindfulness. And that is, that's the main meal for their therapy, which is wonderful for lots of other issues. But if it's about anxiety and OCD, that is a side dish, not the main dish. And the main dish really should be CBT. So those are the bad things to look for. Let's talk about the good stuff because there's a lot of good stuff and we'll go into what to look for for that. So up next, I'm going to go over a couple of areas that say, Hey, you've got a good therapist. They're using all the right words and also how to tell if therapy is working for your child. Stay tuned. That's what's up next. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast for more- For parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. Welcome back. Okay, so we talked about some of the bad things that might make you run if you're looking for a therapist for your child with OCD or anxiety, but what are some of the good indicators? There are tons of amazing therapists out there who are very creative, work really well with kids and really understand anxiety and OCD. So some good indicators that you're finding a great fit would be that they treat OCD. They say they treat OCD and you want them to use language like they treat OCD spectrum issues. That helps too because trichotillomania or just pulling disorder or picking disorder and other issues that are related to OCD and anxiety can pop up in your children over time. For instance, I have a girl in my practice who I was treating for OCD, and then maybe six months into therapy, she started to develop some trichotillomania. Now, she doesn't have to go see another therapist because I treat all anxiety and OCD spectrum issues. Well, that's under that umbrella. So I can go ahead, put ERP on pause and move into treating her for trichotillomania, which is just a stupid word for hair pulling and help her with that. And then go back to the ERP. Once we have that under control, if you have a therapist that doesn't do that because maybe they only treat anxiety and not OCD, or they treat anxiety and OCD, but not picking and pulling behavior, then when these issues that are very, very related pop up, you're going to have to go to another therapist. So if your therapist is saying they treat all different types of OCD spectrum issues, that's awesome. You want them to work, I would say at least 50% with kids, because part of the issue that I found when I took my son to a therapist who didn't work 50% with kids is a lot of her modalities, a lot of her treatment approaches really weren't appropriate for him. And there's certain things that you do with ERP that are a lot slower with kids and also Like I make ERP fun. And so I have a huge treasure box in my office. And so kids get prizes out of there when they do challenges, when they do exposures. I have a homework log that I give to people. I actually just created that because people weren't doing the homework. But it's it's interactive. It holds them accountable. So there's a lot of things that I do. Um, Even with exposures, I make them very kid-friendly. We make them into games that somebody who does ERP but doesn't work with kids wouldn't do. So if your therapist works at least 50% with kids, that's an awesome sign. If you walk into their office and it looks kid-friendly and they don't have just like a little box in a corner that has some kid-friendly things, that's kind of what happened with my son. That's not very kid-friendly. And so even though he's pretty agreeable and he'll play with things and be happy with that, there are other therapists that would have a full office full of toys. And As a parent, you might say, well, that's not what I'm paying them for. Like they need to get to the problem and I'm not wasting my money so that my child can play. But guess what? If your child's not comfortable, good luck because they're not going to open up. Kids open up to me a lot more because they are always involved in some fun activity. And even if they're just sitting on my couch, I don't let them just stare at me. They're playing with something in their hands. And so it's engaging, Another good sign that you have a good therapist is that they're involving you. So you want a therapist, and I know I said this before, so I'm pretty much saying the exact same stuff, but I'm saying that this is the good stuff, but whatever, we can go into more detail, but you want them to involve you. So they're letting you know what they're teaching your kids and they're having you involved in the homework. I can't say enough that them using ERP is really, really important to me because even with anxiety, I use ERP. And if you don't know what ERP is, I did make a very short video on that. And so you can check it's on YouTube. So you can go to um, youtube.com backslash C backslash anxious 78. And you can go to just all my videos. And if you scroll down, one of them is what is ERP? And I have a video that explains it. And maybe I'll do a podcast on what ERP is in the future. I don't think I have one. So, but If not, just Google it as well, because ERP is a very, very important part of treating OCD. In fact, you can't really treat OCD without ERP. And I find it to be extremely effective for anxiety as well. So how can you tell if your child is doing well in therapy? And I would say, this is gonna sound really dumb, but the number one way that you can tell your child is liking therapy is that when they leave the therapist's office, they're in a better mood. Parents will tell me that often. They'll say, oh, you know, the relief that he felt after he left your office was palatable. I mean, he was in a great mood. He was talking more. Or I hear things like, you know, she was she was so happy when she left your office. She was much more upbeat. She was much more optimistic. Now, kids aren't gonna always feel that way. I'm sure after you know, the 10th session, 11th session, kids aren't going to be always bouncing out of my office, but more often than not, I want them to feel really uplifted when they leave. So if you're not seeing that, if your child is seeming angry or upset, or they're backsliding after therapy, to me, that's not a good sign. I think your child should feel uplifted. You know, that that's Always my goal is to be very optimistic when kids are talking to me and praising them for every small step that they're doing, highlighting everything they're doing right and encouraging them when they have steps back. You know, this is okay. You know what? Today's the bad day, but tomorrow's gonna be great. And so that's one sign. Two, if your child wants to go to therapy and I always tell parents, therapy is not for everybody. So some kids are going to be adamantly against therapy and you forcing them to therapy isn't going to make them any better because I always say to parents and to kids, I say, I have no magic fairy dust. And so if you're expecting to come in here really angry and tell me you have no problems and then want me to sprinkle some magic fairy dust and make you better, that's not going to (laughs) happen because I'm not magical. And I, I tell parents and I tell kids, I'm a coach. I'm going to help guide you. I'm in the passenger seat and you're in the driver's seat. And it's like driver's ed. I'm going to teach you how to drive, but ultimately this is your road. This is your path. This is your journey. This is your car. How to belabor this example, but I want kids to be invested. And if they're not ready for therapy, then they're not invested. And so there is a right time and a right moment for therapy. And if your child is adamantly against it. And you're threatening them and you're dragging them to the office and they're sitting there with their arms crossed, giving the therapist one word answers. I'm sorry, but the therapist is not a miracle worker. It's not going to work out. And so that may be an indication that you have to put it on pause and wait until your child is ready. And even what I say to parents who are frustrated, they say, Tasha, well, what am I supposed to do? Like, yeah, he doesn't want therapy. And now what am I going to do? Because he still needs help. The problem's not going away. And I will tell parents, cause I don't like to leave anyone feeling unsupported. I'll tell them that they can still come in and see me and I can give them parental skills while their child works through it. And maybe they can help their child directly or maybe down the road as well, their child will be willing to come back in. And that's why I made my whole online class. I made two online classes, one for anxiety and one for OCD. And I did it because A lot of times kids aren't going to want to come to therapy. They don't want to talk to a stranger. They don't want to waste their time. They want to play. They don't want to talk about it with someone they don't know. Um, There's a lot of barriers to therapy, or maybe, you know, parentally, you can't afford it. Super expensive. Your insurance isn't covering it, or you can't find that perfect anxiety and OCD therapist. And so you're in a bind. And so I was like, you know, those people still need help. So if I have a family where the child's refusing to come in, I'll either say, hey, you know, come in anyway and I will help you directly. Or I'll say, take my online class on OCD or anxiety. It's everything I teach parents in therapy. So when you're done with the class, it's pretty much everything I would be doing with you in therapy and that's all I would say to you anyway. So sometimes people will email me from all over the world, you know, if I could do Skype therapy. And I really got into doing online Help, you know, as far as doing these podcasts and YouTube videos and doing my website, just so I can help more people on a larger scale. Because I'm in my private practice three days a week, and so I can only help like maybe 25 people a week, and then I'm full that's it. And my practice is permanently well, I don't want to say permanently, but my practice is currently closed. I don't have openings for new people, no matter even if you live right next door to me, I wouldn't be able to see you. But people want me to do Skype. And I'll say to people, and don't email me about this because I'm not responding to emails anymore. It's too much. I'm getting way too much of uh, people looking for advice and emailing me. So I don't respond to emails anymore. But I say, take my online class because it's everything I teach the people that come into my office anyway. So if your child is resistant to therapy, look for other avenues. It's not, therapy isn't the be all and end all. There are other options as well. And not every child Is a perfect candidate for therapy because, in order to be good in therapy, you have to be able to be willing to explore the problem. You may not know what the problem is, and that's okay. You may not be gung ho about therapy, and that's okay. But the only requirement is that you're willing to come in and not give the therapist hell for it because that's honestly not fun for the therapist. I don't like that. It's not fun for me in my day. And two, you have to just be willing to explore it and not be defensive and say, nope, nope, I have no problem. I have no problem because there's nothing that you can do with that as a therapist. But parentally, you can go and get yourself some skills. And there are some amazing books out there. If you're dealing with a child with OCD, besides my classes, there are really good books that you can just read and see if that's enough. You can read John March's book called Talking Back to OCD. That's my favorite one for OCD because I really feel like it walks you step-by-step step through how to do exposure response prevention, very much like my class. My class probably holds your hand a lot more. There's like 39 videos, and there's all these worksheets, and it's going to walk you really, really slowly through it. But John March's book, Talking Back to OCD, is very comprehensive, and it's the same same philosophy, same idea, and that could be enough, and that could be helpful. There's also some great anxiety books. I would have to say my favorite one is Freeing Your Child from Anxiety, Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to mispronounce her name, but Tamar Chansky is one of my favorite anxiety authors. She's really good. And so, you know, reading some of her books, they're very comprehensive and they're going to give you enough information to get started. And so if your child is resisting therapy or you're having a hard time finding a good therapist, there are resources out there that can help guide you. I think another indicator that your child is getting something good from therapy, is if you're seeing some progress, (laughs) that sounds very obvious, right? You wanna see some progress. You should see some progress. You should see some movement pretty quickly, at least that your child is trying to do something different than they have been doing. And pretty shortly into therapy, you should have some new language and new tools that you're using, and you should see your child using them as well. Now, your child may not know that they're tools. So often I will hear parents, they'll come in at the end of the session and they'll say to their kids um, and they'll make everybody feel awkward, including me. What did you learn today? You know, what did she tell you? Do you have any homework? What tools do you have? And it's cringeworthy for me because the child is like, um, I don't know. Uh, we just talked about my worries. And so that did come up in the private Facebook group. I think somebody was talking about how they didn't really... Your child didn't seem like they had any tools after they left therapy. Kids aren't going to talk that therapy language. And so if you're not sure, ask the therapist. Meet with the therapist alone and say, can you just tell me the tools or the the techniques that you're teaching him so I know what to do to coach him through it? Or you can say, when he's having a hard time, what should I do? What should my role be? So even if you have a therapist who maybe, in general, is pretty good, but they're not involving you, and you're not really clued into what kind of language you should be using, you can prompt them. Just meet with them alone and just say, what should I do when they're having a panic attack? Or what should I do when they're afraid to go to school? And that will give you a big window into what they're teaching your kid. Because if they're like, I don't know, you know tell him that he can work through it. Tell him to take deep breaths. Tell him to think of something else. Then... That's probably what they're telling your child, and that's not really good. I should probably go back. Okay, I don't have time, but let's move back into the bad category. If you have a therapist and all they're teaching your child is distraction techniques and breathing techniques, that's a concern because those play a nice part as a side note into beating anxiety and OCD, but they should definitely not be the main event because. You don't want to distract yourself. You want to lean into the anxiety or OCD and face those fears and then distract yourself. Unless it's a panic attack, and I talk about this in my online class. That's really the only time that you should, you know, just move right into distraction. Otherwise, you want to be fighting those thoughts. And with OCD, you don't want to be fighting those thoughts. And this is why it's good to get a therapist who understands anxiety and OCD because how you treat OCD is very counterintuitive and it's a lot of times the opposite of how you treat anxiety. So with OCD, you don't go into those thoughts. And so you don't start talking in detail about why it's irrational that they need to wash their hands five zillion times or why it doesn't make sense that they have to tap three times when they leave any room to make sure that nothing bad happens. Spending a very big chunk of time talking about why that doesn't make sense is a sign that your therapist does not understand OCD. Because the cognitive behavioral therapy that should be happening with OCD is just exposing your child to the trigger and walking them through it. When it's anxiety, then you do that. Well, what's the worst that can happen? And you walk through that. With OCD, you do that for a brief period of time, maybe the first or second session, and you touch on it once or twice, but that's not your main therapy. Because OCD is irrational. The child knows it's irrational. You know it's irrational. And you don't need to spend a lot of time talking about why that doesn't make any sense because they already know that. Now with anxiety, it's different. And that's why you really wanna get a therapist who understands the difference between anxiety and OCD treatment. I hope that makes sense to you. So if your child is having tools and having language, that is a good sign. And they're not just telling you, I need to take you know, deep breaths, or I need to just do square breathing, or I need to just be mindful. Those are really good supplements for anxiety, but they're not, they're not CBT techniques that are really going to crush their anxiety. And distraction is really not helpful for anything. If you don't know how to beat the core trigger of the anxiety or OCD. So I do see that a lot. And they say, the International OCD Foundation says that most people have been through five to 10 therapists before they find a therapist that's properly trained in treating OCD. And not so much with anxiety, but with OCD, the wrong therapist can actually do more harm than good because they can... Actually, I'll give you an example. I had a family that came to me last week and they said that the psychologist that they were talking to prior to me told them that maybe she should wear gloves when she goes to the bathroom so that she doesn't worry about getting contaminated. That's terrible advice because that's a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. She's still gonna bleed out. I always use that expression, I'm sorry. But that is not good advice. That is not a solution. That's a solution from somebody who doesn't understand OCD. Like, okay, well, I'll be practical. So if you're worried about getting contaminated, then just cover your hands with gloves and you'll be fine. No, horrible idea, not helpful. So I do see that a lot. And I think you'll see that most OCD specialists will say that people come to them after trying four or five therapists and they've been given horrible advice. Now with anxiety, I don't see that as much. I don't cringe as much as I do with OCD. Because anxiety, everything can kind of help. You can't really hurt as much an anxious child as you can a child with OCD. OCD, you can do a lot of damage. Anxiety, I mean, a bad therapist can do damage no matter what, because they might blame the parent when it's not the parent's fault and make the parent feel worse. Or they might be hard on the child instead of empathetic. Like there are obviously lots of things you can do as a therapist that suck, (laughs) But you can really destroy a kid with OCD if you don't know what you're doing. So there's the difference in that. And that's the other thing I wanna mention really quick is if you as the parent are leaving feeling inadequate or feeling beaten up by the therapist, that's not a good therapist. Even if you think they're being great to your child, I would run and not walk because a therapist should make everybody in the family feel better and not worse. And even if they're concerned with something that you're doing, that maybe isn't that helpful, they should frame it in a way that is still uplifting. I might see something that a parent's doing that is accommodating the anxiety or accommodating the OCD. And the first thing I do is I empathize and I'll say, look, I have three anxious kids too. I get it. It is hard. And sometimes all you can do is survive the day. And I totally understand that. But In a perfect world, when she does this, maybe a better response would be to do blah, blah, blah. That's how I would frame it. I would never be like, you're coddling them. Or, okay, mom, I think you need to stop doing that because you're creating her anxiety. Like, pay attention to how the therapist is talking to you. And if they're talking to you in a way that makes you feel really crummy, that's not a good therapist. So how do you find a good therapist? That is really hard. Ideally, I would look at the International OCD Foundation's website and you can go there at iocdf.org backslash find-help and they have a list of people in their directory who say they practice therapy that helps OCD. So that's a good place to start. They don't endorse or not endorse people. Anybody can get on that directory, but it's a good place to start because if somebody's on there, if somebody took the time and effort to join the International OCD Foundation, and to be in their directory, they probably have some understanding of OCD. And at least that's a short list to weed people out. If you go on there and you're not seeing anybody, you could always go to psychologytoday.com is a good place to start because almost every therapist is going to be listed in psychology today, at least in America. And then you can look at people's profiles. And that's what I did for my child. I went to the International OCD Foundation, there weren't that many that said they even work with kids in my area. And then I went to psychology today and I read every every profile. And if they said, you know, they work with all ages, they work with all issues and their specialties are ADHD and anger management and divorce, and they don't mention anything about OCD, then I'm not gonna even call them. So if you are having a really hard time and you can't find anybody in your area, then look at your other resources because you can do this. You can learn and do things yourself. There are plenty of great books out there just for kids. And I will leave a link below to um, all my favorite books, favorite books for um, adults, you know, for the parents to help with anxiety and OCD. And I'll leave a list of books that I think really help kids. And Dawn Huebner's books, um, she just came out with a new one, which I think is probably the best of all of her books is called Outsmarting Worry, and it's really appropriate for kids with anxiety or OCD. And that's what I really like about it. And it's the age range probably starts at nine, nine to 13. If you have a child who has just anxiety and they're like a tween, I would say 10 and up. My book, not to like self-promote here, but it's like, I'm not gonna not talk about my book. My book, Anxiety Sucks, a teen survival guide, is very appropriate for kids 10 and older. I also have an audible version. So I think a lot of kids don't want to read things, but they will listen to it. So you can get it on audio and it's me talking. (laughs) And people say that it's very effective. Actually, parents will email me and they'll say that they liked it too, because it's, I really wish I hadn't said teens because it really is a good book for everybody. And I'm not talking about little kids. I mean, like it's really good even for adults with anxiety. My next book with, which I think is going to be I have two OCD sucks and social anxiety sucks. Those are my two upcoming books and they're not going to be just for teens. I think I'm going to just make them for everybody, but some other books that are really good for younger kids, um, what to do when you worry too much, which is Dawn Huebner and, um, Wagner has some really good ones as well. So I'll just put the whole list down here so you can see it in the show notes or on my website, but If you're really struggling and you can't find a good therapist or the one that you have isn't great or your kids are just not gung-ho and they're not invested, buy a bunch of children's books about anxiety and buy some parenting books about anxiety or OCD. Learn as much as you can. If you wanna go completely gung-ho, take one of my online classes and you're gonna leave with all of those resources really understanding what you can do at home. And for a while, when my kids Started to have all these different anxiety issues and one with OCD. You know, once a week I'd pull them into my at home office and I would try to do like a session with them. And then I realized all the work is really happening in the moment. The learning is happening when they're having the issue, not when we talk about the issue. So I stopped doing that and I was like, you know what? This is just like a parent. All the learning and all the real magic is happening in the moment when your child is on the edge, about to go off the edge, and you talk them away from the ledge. That's when the real learning happens. And if you don't know how to do that, because one, the therapist isn't teaching you, or two, the therapist isn't even teaching your kid, then it's not gonna help. Because an hour a week or an hour every other week in a therapy office isn't gonna make or break your child unless you know how to help them as well, and they know, and it has to be an open thing that everybody understands, So I hope that gave you some information on where to go and what maybe a good therapist would look like and what a bad therapist would look like just for anxiety and OCD, not in general, but with those two issues, there's very specific treatment and there's very specific indicators of what is working and what's not. If it's something random, you know, you just want a place for your kid to process their feelings, then it really wouldn't matter. You just want to find somebody that you feel is warm and fuzzy and your child likes, and that's pretty much it. But unfortunately with anxiety and OCD, your kids need more than that. They need skills and they need someone to systematically reframe their cognitive distortions and teach them how to lean into their fears or lean into those obsessive thoughts that they're having with OCD and how to crush them. And that takes a very specific type of therapy. So anyway, I hope you're having a wonderful day. If you're enjoying my podcast, I would love if you can hit a star. So if you're listening on iTunes, there are stars right below the name of my podcast. If you can just hit one, that is great feedback. Or if you have a little extra time and you feel like giving back, if you can leave a review on how this podcast is helping, that would be awesome. So I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. And until next Tuesday, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.